Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Jeff Hyken here, and we're back for another great episode of Amazing Business Radio. I'm really excited about today's show because in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking with Chris Elliott. And you may or may not know who Chris Elliott, but basically he is a consumer advocate that will uh, write about uh, people that are getting scammed, uh, companies that are taking advantage of consumers. He does a terrific travel column. I'll let him tell you more about it. But basically, he takes it from the other position. What can a customer do to get better service? So uh, with that in mind, I'd like to talk about a couple of things. Uh, basically, I, I think as we come into this interview, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. That's an old phrase, an old saying that I've heard Oh, gosh, I don't know, since I was a little kid. And what that means, basically, is the person that complains the most or the person that makes the most noise is going to get the most attention and maybe get exactly what they want. And when we are dealing with companies and we have a problem, there's a right way and a wrong way to complain about the situation. Uh, The wrong way is to stomp up and down, scream, call somebody a name. You're not going to get anywhere by making someone upset. There's an old story that goes something like this. Um, a person was traveling. Uh, they got to their destination. Their bag was missing. It didn't show up on the baggage carousel. So they went inside to the, tic- or to the baggage office, and they talked to the rep from the airline. And they were extremely upset. They were mad. They were yelling, I can't believe you did this. You lost my luggage. And the person behind the counter calmly said, Sir, right now in this entire world, There are only two people that care about your lost luggage, and you're starting to make one of them upset. (laughs) So the point is this. You don't want to upset the person that's trying to help you or wants to help you. Yes, you may run into that customer service rep or that salesperson on the floor that is apathetic, that doesn't you know, seem to enjoy their job, that doesn't recognize that their job is there to take care of customers. If that's the case, hey, maybe it's time to hang up the phone, call back, get somebody else, or maybe it's time to ask for someone else. That's far better than raising your voice, getting your stress level up, your anger up, and starting to make other people, especially the other person who is actually supposed to be there to help you, even angrier. Find somebody that's willing to help you and recognize that you'll catch, well, how's the old saying go? You'll catch more flies with honey? Sure you will, than, than anything else. So you will catch more flies with honey. You'll get more good when you're nice about it. Now, that said, there's a right way and a wrong way to complain, and I always give the benefit of the doubt to the company. I always say when there's a problem, they probably want to know about it. And I don't need to go online. I don't need to socialize how upset I am about a company. What I do need to do is go directly to the company and let them know, hey, I thought, you know what, I could have gone on Twitter. I could have gone on Facebook. I could have posted a review. But I know that this isn't the way you typically do business. And I'm hoping that you're the person that can help me resolve this issue. And you know what, when you position it that way, I think that people say, wow, okay, yeah, I'm going to try and help you. And that's the key. Now, from the other side, if you are working for the company, and I've talked about this before, when there's a problem, 
my little five-step process. Acknowledge and apologize. That's steps one and two. You say, yes, I understand there's a problem, and I can understand how you would feel that way. I would be upset too, and I want to just say I'm sorry. Doesn't mean it's your fault, but it's your opportunity. And by the way, acknowledge and apologize or apologize and acknowledge I don't care. And the third step is to start to resolve the issue. Talk about what you're going to do to fix it or fix it right there on the spot. Do it with the right attitude and do it as quickly as possible. Those five things will hopefully restore the customer's confidence. All right, we're going to take a break in just a moment. But um, when we get back, I'm excited. I've not had somebody on the show that takes the direction that Chris Elliott is going to take, and that is on behalf of the consumer. So it'll be interesting to hear what he has to say. Don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. If you like what you're hearing on Amazing Business Radio, and I know you do, then you can get much more of this information. All you have to do is go to my website, hyken.com. That's www.hyken.com. Fill out the subscribe to the shepherd letter form, and each week you will get an article that contains a business tip, stories, much more, all about customer service and experience delivered straight to your inbox. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to always be amazing. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back on Amazing Business Radio, and I promised you a great interview today, and we are talking today with Christopher Elliott. Chris is an author, a consumer advocate. He's a journalist. He has columns in multiple publications. He writes for USA Today as a, a travel column. He has a Money Magazine column. Uh, he, he writes for ABC. The guy's everywhere. He's got a couple of great books. I'll mention them right now, How to Be the World's Smartest Traveler and save time, money, and hassle. And also, get this title, I love it, Scammed, How to Save Your Money and Find Better Service in a World of Schemes, Swindles, and Shady Deals. Chris, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Hey, Shep, how are you? You are setting the bar a little high for me, I got to tell you. Oh, man, I think you're awesome, man. I've been reading your columns forever, and I'm always honored whenever you email or call and ask for a quote or some kind of feedback on, on an issue going on. And let me tell you, in the world of travel, which I know you spend a lot of time in, there is a lot of, <laughs> there's just, all I can say, I, a lot is an understatement. There are so many customer service examples, both good and unfortunately bad. You know, they say the squeaky wheel gets the oil, so the bad probably uh, comes to the top as far as some of the more interesting stories. But you're going to share some of this, and we're going to learn. You know, I talk about, and you said it really well right as we were getting on. I'm going to actually let you say it because you said it perfectly, that I do service, you do what, and how they work together. Well, you talk about how to get, uh, you talk about better customer service, and I talk about how to get better customer service. So we're just a one word away from the same thing. I think our areas of expertise overlap very nicely. They do. So, Chris, quick little background on yourself. Go ahead, and then we'll we'll get into it. <laughs> okay. Uh, you want me to tell you my background in what ten seconds or yeah, less? Yeah, yeah. Let's just. <laughs> well, what would easy. what would make your mother most proud? Um. Uh, well, my mother is difficult to please, but I think she's just happy that I have a full time job. <laughs> you well, don't, don't ask her, her for money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Don't tell her. I. It's not really a full time job. I mean, I do everything. I have uh, I have four columns that are in syndication right now, uh, two books and a variety of other projects going on. 
mean, I am, as you say, a consumer advocate and people email me, call me all the time and ask me to fix something for them. So I'm kind of the fixer too. What's uh, the, the columns? Well, go ahead. No, I was going to ask, what's the biggest fix you've ever done? Um, I, I don't know. I, every, every case is, is of equal importance to me. I mean, you, I go after people, uh, after companies for small fees as, as low as I think $10. And we just had one that resolved for $6,000. Uh, we've had some that are even higher than that. in, in the, uh, I think one was like seventeen or $18,000 that we got back for a customer. And we treat them all with the same level of, uh, pr- with the same priority uh, because money is money and it's your money. We want to make sure that you get it. But, um, but yeah, when I say we, by the way, I have, I do have a, people who work with me as volunteer advocates. So it's not just me. So when you go after, and by the way, it sounds to me like it's more principle than it is dollars. If you're willing to go after somebody because they took advantage of a customer for $10 or $6,000, you're telling me that it really isn't about the money. It's about the whole principle of the game. Well, isn't that true? I mean, that's, I think it should that, be that, true. that's, that's mm-hmm. what you, uh, you know, whenever I interview you for a story, you're, you're saying pretty much the same thing that it's. Customer service, good customer service is good customer service, whether you're doing it to your very best customer or someone who's just coming in off the street. So 100% agree. So the $17,000 settlement, what was that about? I'm trying to remember. I think it involved a, a tour. This was one of my travel columns, mm-hmm. and they had they – had, it was a very expensive tour. It involved a, a cruise, and they had um, purchased travel insurance which happens a lot. People buy travel insurance. They don't read the policy. They don't know about the named exclusions. And it was a borderline case where the named exclusion, they didn't have all the paperwork on it. Anyway, we made sure the paperwork got to the right people and that the right people reviewed the case and he got his money back. Great. And do you get a fee for this? No. Wow. You see, you do it. I mean, you make your living as a columnist and an author. Uh, but part of right. it is you practice what you preach, so you're actually, uh, you know, delivering on it, which is which is just outstanding. So, you know, there's probably, I mean, I, I I've read some of the columns and that you've written, the ruined suitcase, the ignored complaint. You have a lot of suggestions on how to go to a company, uh, complain properly to a company, when to complain to the company, mm-hmm. and hopefully get resolution. So maybe you can share some of those with us. Yeah, I feel a little bit like Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers, where I'm on one side and you're on the other side. You're telling the companies how to do it, and I'm telling consumers how to do it. But I'm uh, telling it, companies it, to listen to the consumers when they're doing it right. right. How's that? <laughs> right. Okay. So we're doing it kind of in reverse, but but a lot of the same principles apply. Um, you know, we when something goes wrong, and it always does, even with the very best of companies. Uh, the first thing that I tell people is to let someone know about it as soon as possible. Don't wait until you get home. Say something now. And the reason is that consumers don't understand that employees are often empowered to fix things right then and there. They have a variety of things that they can do. They can give you a voucher or a coupon or something like that, or even an apology. You know, and sometimes good customer service is free. It's all in the attitude. It's saying, I'm sorry when something goes wrong. And then if that's not resolvable, then you start a paper trail. And again, people don't know. They think that they can pick up the phone and get a resolution right away. And that is not always the case. 
So start a paper trail, email the company, let them know what went wrong, tell them what they can do to make it right. And then if that doesn't work, if you're getting form denials, then what you want to do is appeal to someone higher up. Now on my website, which is Elliot.org, E-L-L-I-O-T-T.org, you can find the names, phone numbers, and email addresses of all the customer service managers. We publish that, and when I say we, I have a team of researchers. We research all of these names and phone numbers, and we publish them. And let me tell you, companies do not like it because they wanna be able to say when you call them, no, there is no manager that you can talk to. But of course, there always is someone you can talk to. There's always someone at the vice president's level or a manager's level who can make the process move along much faster and get a resolution. So once that, once that um, option is exhausted, uh, we tell them to appeal to the CEO, uh, dispute your credit card charges if possible, and then finally, if that doesn't work, take it to small claims court or to court. Wow. Wow. So hopefully it doesn't get to that last part. And I know when you and I have done interviews, you've asked me, what can a consumer do? And I said, you know, if you can't get anywhere, go to the CEO. But my suggestion is not to ask for the CEO, but to ask for the CEO's office. Get the person who is the gatekeeper, the assistant, the chief of staff, who's going to intercept the call anyway and get them to help you because their job is to make sure Mr. or Mrs. CEO doesn't get this call. I agree with you. Uh, that person is going to end up with your email or phone call anyway. And so, so yeah, you, you, you may just want to do an end run around the CEO and ask for the CEO's assistant. And we have a fair number of those assistants, their names, their direct ex- extensions, and their email addresses are published on the site. Let me tell you, this drives the companies nuts because <laughs> they imagine. they think that their CEO's email address is private for some reason, which it, I, I don't think that it is or should be. In fact, I had the uh, manager of public relations for a very well-known car rental company call me and say, you have to remove the name and email address of our CEO. And I said, well, why is that? And she said, because our CEO is not a customer-facing position. And wow. I thought about that, and I thought, well, gee, if, if, she's, if she's not facing the customer, uh, you know, what, what part of her is facing the customer? And uh, you know, so, so I had all these. Uh, Good. The, I'm having a vision right now. I'm having a vision, too. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to connect the dots for you. But. You can understand how upset that made me feel that the customer is not facing uh, the the CEO is not facing the customer. So uh, I know I, th- I do think that that's that's the number one job of the CEO is to is is that it is a customer facing position. And so I I did not needless to say did not remove the CEO's name. Oh, and, and I'm glad you didn't. I think the CEO is definitely uh, at the top. It's that CEO person, man or woman, is the role model that everybody looks to, they look to emulate. Um, 
I think of probably one of the greatest leaders of our time of any business uh, who was always out there uh, in the public eye as well as in front of his employees is Walt Disney. Uh, Whether you agree Mm -hmm. with how Disney is run today or not, when Walt Disney was around and he walked into the park, uh, he would stoop down, pick up paper off the ground, throw it away to set an example for everyone. Everybody knew it was Walt Disney. And I remember as a kid growing up, this may give my age, that every Sunday they had the Disney show, and who came on at the very, very beginning of every show? Walt Disney himself. If that's not customer-facing and putting himself out there, I don't know what is. And I know his goal was to create the happiest place on earth. I absolutely agree with you, and I know people who work for Disney, and I and I go to the parks with them. I live in Orlando, so I have that opportunity. And they do. They uh, The Disney way is... When you see a piece of trash, you pick it up. Even if you're out there with a journalist or a friend or a dignitary, that's what you do. And uh, I've seen it over and over again. It is the most remarkable thing that people, the service culture there is really second to none. Right. And really, everybody is told when they come to Disney, they have three jobs. To do the job they were hired to do, whatever it is, uh, and take care of the guest. That's number two. And number three is keep the park clean. So we're going to mm-hmm. take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more about you know how you might uh, get your complaints resolved. Uh, maybe you have to go to the CEO, maybe you don't. There's probably some tips and tricks that, Chris, you can share with us. So don't go away. This is Amazing Business Radio. We'll be right back. Chef Hyken here. How would you like customer service training anytime you want it or need it, day or night? Well, with Shepherd Virtual Training, you will have world-class customer service training at your fingertips online 24 7 365 days a year just go to www.shepondemand.com once again that's shepondemand.com and remember always be amazing this is amazing business radio with shep hyken we're back on amazing business radio with chris elliott and we're just talking about you know, how you can get better customer service. So I may have shared this story once on this show, but a number of years ago, I was trying to buy a computer for my son right around the holiday time. And one of the major consumer electronics uh, retailers had an incredible deal. I had to get this. So, of course, I went online, I ordered it, and then I received an email back about a week later saying, we're sorry, we're back-ordered. Now, it's still three weeks before the holidays. Everything's cool. I'm sure I'm going to get my computer. A week later, no response. So I called, and this is what I, 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 by the way, trying to get somebody to tell me whether or not I would get the computer was definitely not easy to do. But I finally worked my way up to a senior advisor who informed me that the computer was, in fact, back-ordered. And I asked the question, I said, is the reason the price is so low is because maybe this is last year's computer model? And the supervisor said, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's so much new coming out almost weekly. But, yeah, this is definitely a a six-month-old model, and and uh, we put it on clearance, and that's why it's going. So I asked, by back order, do you really believe that the manufacturer is going to ship more of the old computers? (laughs) I mean, do they have any? And the supervisor goes, good point. And that was, that was how the story ended. It was sad. Uh, nothing I can do. But I didn't stop there. I felt I'd been betrayed. So I went to, at your suggestion, the CEO's office. And I got the nicest lady 
on the phone. And when she heard the story, she was appalled that they would advertise a computer that was six months old uh, and, that, and then tell me it was back-ordered, that there would be more coming in when obviously there weren't be. So here's, there wasn't going to be. So here's what happened. She asked if she could call me back in 20 minutes. She did. She said, would you please turn on your computer and go to this URL? And she gave me the exact, actually, we went on to their website and typed in this model number, and up came, like, the latest and greatest computer. She said, would this computer make you happy? I said, yeah, but there's no way I'm going to pay that much. She said, you don't understand. We owe you this computer. You know, (laughs) I went, wow. And she sent me the latest and greatest computer for the same price. Now, I'm not sure that is the right way to handle it or the wrong way to handle it. But you know what happened? Two days later, my mother-in-law said she needed a computer. Guess what I did? I went back to that company. I bought the computer. And then I emailed a very nice lady that helped me out and said, let me tell you what I just did. Thanks to you. You saved the relationship. I think that's it's unfortunate it got to that high, but I think that's what, what has to happen. Even if it gets to a high level, if you get the issue resolved properly, I think it's a, a nice thing to do is to show a little loyalty and love back to the company that finally decided to help you out. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, the worst thing that can happen is for someone to do nothing and to go, oh, man, you, this, the store ruined Christmas for me or ruined the holidays, and, and uh, then you go on to – Yelp and or Amazon and you leave a one star review and then you tell all your friends how horrible this experience was, which it could have easily gone that way. Right. And And that's exactly what I'm trying to help people understand is that it doesn't have to go that way. If you if you look, do what Shep did, give the company a call, send them an email, give them a chance to make it better. And so few people know that that's there. They, They think they have to bend over and take it. Wow. Well, and, and here's the thing. You know, you don't have to make it. I mean, you, you do want them to make it better. But I don't believe that if you have to get to the top, if you have to go to the CEO to get this done, there's obviously something broken in the system. And I want everybody out here listening. If you go to the top and it does get resolved, recognize there's a pretty good chance that somebody below is going to find out that it got that high and something's going to change as a result. Um Give the company a chance if they, in fact, make it right. And I know it may have been a struggle. It may be stressful. But I think, you know, you deserve it. They're going to eventually uh, put their best foot forward. Now, on the other hand, uh, you probably know the, the story of, I believe his name's Dave Carroll, the, the guy that wrote uh, United Breaks Guitars. United Breaks yeah, Guitars. There's the perfect example of what you're talking about. He wasn't happy. Uh, United wouldn't fix his guitar. It was broken when it was being shipped under the belly of the plane. And what did he do? He wrote a song. And do you know how many people have listened to that or watched that YouTube video? Tens of millions. Yeah, millions, millions. And and that's what happens. Uh, Jay Bear, my buddy, wrote a book called Hug Your Haters, and that's basically the people that leave bad reviews on review sites or, or throw out a tweet out there that's negative about a company. And this is his comment. Customer service is a spectator sport today. It goes social. It goes in front of people. And you you know, as a company, you don't want to do anything about it. You risk uh, really a negative PR slam against you. So your job is to teach us how to go about it in such a way that we get resolution. And if the company does a great job, that customer is going to go online. And once again, it's a spectator sport. They're going to say something nice about the company. That's what I think we hope for. All right, let's switch gears. Let's talk about loyalty. 
Um, and, and you and I briefly at the break, we're talking about uh, customer loyalty programs. What's your thought on, on them and, and how do they work? And, and, you know, what's the best way and the best type and the ones you want to be a part of? Well, it's funny. We were talking about your airline loyalty program. And just as a plane is going overhead here, <laughs> talking about it. And, and there, uh, I, I happen to be uh, involved in the travel industry. I do a lot of travel uh, cases. That's not, I don't do those exclusively. Um, the, the column I do for Money Magazine is actually um, uh, does non-travel cases. But the, the column that is in syndication right now uh, is it, called the Travel Troubleshooter is mostly a travel column, as the name would imply. And I see a lot of people making foolish decisions because they belong to a loyalty program. And my thinking, my thinking is that uh, these loyalty programs have actually led to a decline in customer service. Um, the, and, and, and here's what happens is that you, you know, you're on a plane, you, the flight attendant's coming up and down the aisle and offering a, a credit card with a, a free round trip ticket if you sign up. And you say, wow, that sounds like a really good idea. Next thing you know, you uh, are the proud owner of a, a city visa that's co-branded with your favorite airline. And you are trying to spend lots and lots of money so that you can get another free ticket. And you, you, uh, the next time you, you buy, a, you, you, know, you, uh, you want to uh, fly somewhere, you, you're thinking to yourself, well, uh, I have the card and I have the quote unquote free bag now. So, uh, and I can get a lot of extra miles if I uh, buy a ticket. So you're, you're sending all your business to this, this airline. And the problem is not that you're, you're loyal to an airline. The problem is that the airline is not loyal back to you. The airline, and, and it's, this is not just unique to airlines and it's not just unique to travel companies, but it's, it's especially bad with airlines is that the airlines take your business for granted and they can commit spectacular screw-ups when it comes to customer service. You probably know this better than I do because you, you travel more than I do. Right, every week. Uh, and, and so you know that things can go very, very bad when you're flying. And I believe that these loyalty programs, which can become highly addictive, are actually giving the airlines a pass to commit more acts of customer disservice, yeah. and and I and I think that that that's one reason why you have to be very very careful before you start participating in one of these programs. So I believe that while they call it a loyalty program, it's actually a marketing program, and there's a big difference. And they they make you feel like you you've got this membership card that you're uh, you're automatically granted you know a certain level. Of, of flyer, you're all always going to be able to get in group one or two or whatever it is that they promise. But he, at the mm -hmm. end of the day, that's not a loyalty program. That's a marketing program. You take away the perks, you take away the free ticket, and guess what? You're going somewhere else. It's like it's like uh, doing business with the lowest price retailer in town. If you're loyal to the price and not the company, you're going to look for the lowest price. And regardless of who it is, you know, if there's five stores within a two mile radius, you're going to go to the one with the lowest price. So I think the any, whether it be an airline or any company, they have to be very careful with what they're trying to achieve. 
So I think what you just described is exactly what they're trying to achieve. They're trying to get you emotionally hooked, not necessarily on the airline, but the concept of more points, the concept of a free ticket, regardless of how they treat you. You know, there's an old saying, I won't tell you which of the airlines has this slogan, but it's, uh, we're not happy till you're not happy. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I've heard that. Well, you know, airlines make $11 billion a year off their loyalty programs. Uh, it, it is almost safe to say that these are no longer airlines. They're loyalty programs that happen to be operating an airline. Right. Um, and that may be a little bit of an exaggeration, but not much. Yeah, and yet they and, still somehow manage on, on, you know, once in a while they make profit, but many of them don't make a profit even after getting that much money on their loyalty and infinity programs. Well, the last, the last couple of years have actually been really, really good for them. Um, but, and so they're all, they're all making some money and they're all turning a little bit of a profit or a big profit. But if you took the loyalty programs away and all the billions of dollars, literally billions of dollars that they're making from selling points to credit cards and other third parties, then it would be significantly less and some would not be making a profit at all. And so you have to ask yourself, if, the, if those are the drivers, if those are the things that are making the airlines tick, then what incentive does an airline have to take care of you when you're flying their incentive is is much more to take care of their loyalty program members by giving them more worthless points <laughs> and and let's let me let's, let me be very clear about this look at your terms and conditions on your loyalty program no one reads it read it those points don't belong to you they're literally not your property the airline can take those points away from you at any time for any reason for any reason they don't even have to tell you wow and you know i've got uh, well over two million miles still in the bank uh, of the six or seven million that i've flown just on american airlines you know there was a time and it was back in the early 1980s before the first i i, I want to say it might have been american airlines that actually had the very first uh loyalty program is that right you might know yes, that. american American was. It was uh, our friend Hal Brierley who created mm-hmm. that program and made a lot of money from it, too. So, And that was, what, about 1984 or so? 81. 81. 81. Yeah. So early 1980s, Jan Carlson, who was uh, put in charge of Scandinavian Airlines way back then, uh, and this was be- right before loyalty programs were about, they were losing money, millions of dollars, and he came in and he turned that airline around. And you know how he did it? You know how he made the passengers loyal? He gathered every one of the employees into an airplane hangar in every city that they had uh, a presence in, and he said, everybody, it's real simple. And he defined the moment of truth. Anytime a customer or passenger comes into contact with any aspect of the airline, they're going to form an impression. It's going to be good or it's going to be bad. And it's your job as employees is to manage those impressions and make them all good. It was a simple concept. They started training people to it, and the airline became profitable again, and it became the most admired airline in the industry. And it, this was before points and, and you know affinity programs with credit cards and free tickets and all of that. How did they do it? They just treated the people right. <laughs> Isn't that what it's all about? That is absolutely what it's all about, and we've totally lost sight of it. Now it's all about treating those top spenders that are in the very front of the plane in those lie-flat seats, coddling them, treating them well, giving them more uh, awards and more points and more perks. 
And the people in the back who maybe are unfortunate enough not to have enough miles or who made the mistake of trying to find a deal are scrunched into the back in deplorable conditions. Truly, truly. I mean, the amount of you fly, so you know, if you get stuck in economy class, you're dealing with 30, 31 inches of seat pitch, which is, you know, 30 years ago, that would have been unheard of. We, we were flying with 34, 35, 36 inches of, uh, of seat pitch. So uh, it, it truly is the priorities have gotten so out of whack. The decisions are being made on the basis of how can we market more loyalty programs. They've lost sight of the fact that it's an airline. And guess what? This is spreading to other industries, too. It's not just airlines. The know, loyalty yeah, game we're is picking on the totally, airlines. <laughs> totally out of control. It has... And it's I'm, I my feeling is that it, it has taken us away from focusing on taking care of the customer. And now it's just about throwing worthless miles toward our customers whenever they have a problem and, and, and getting them more hooked on these programs. So here's the bottom line. If the company decides to get rid of all those free upgrades, or let's call it the airline, the free upgrades, or the company decides to get rid of, um, you know, a punch card if you go to a restaurant, you know, where you get your 10th sandwich free if you come, you know, and, and pay for nine. If they got rid of all those perks, would you still want to do business with the company again? And if the answer is yes, they know how to create real loyalty. Well, and this is a great seg into what you wanted to talk about. You had asked me over the break if I wanted to talk about custom, the companies that do it correctly. And uh, the, the most successful, the most admired companies in the world don't have loyalty programs. Their customers come to them. And, and I, let me revise that. They either have loyalty programs. They either don't have loyalty programs or programs that, are, that in no way resemble the loyalty programs that are popular right now. Right. They are technically just simply the, the punch card if you, you, you come to our my pizza restaurant 10 times then i'll give you the 11th pizza free which is a sensible loyalty program it's right. not one of those you're you're you're, ones. you're truly uh right you're truly yeah. giving a reward for giving business and i think that's a very nice thing to do uh, but those and, right though that's those, different those, mm-hmm. yeah that's different those companies the most admired ones don't get involved because it's gimmicky it takes them away from the customer it detracts from true customer service, and and it devalues ultimately it devalues the product. It says, "Hey, our our points and miles are more valuable than our product, or are even more important than the service that we provide. They're more important than our people," and and I think that's the wrong message to be sending. So, and I think that's the right message to be sending to the companies is to let them know if you really want to really create a loyalty program, it should be about a customer's true loyalty to you, the company, not to the extra points they're going to get when they run up their credit card, uh, not to the, you know, uh, well, I mean, some of the perks are nice, but at the end of the day, like I said, take them away and let's see if they stay. Well, let me, let me call on the language police on this one here. Okay. Um, the... You know, you had mentioned the words free before, uh, free upgrades or a uh, free ticket. I even said the word free. I'm sorry. But I, in, in my book, Scammed, I call that the F word. There is no such thing as free. They're telling you it's free, but it's really, is it a free bag if you're participating in the credit card? No, it's not. You have to spend X number of dollars to belong to the airline's loyalty program, to be a part of, you know, to, to have the card. And uh, so so there's there's this whole language that... Uh, and, and loyalty is another word that really bothers me because 
as you point out, it's not a loyalty program. It's a marketing program. But there is an uh, because they use the word loyalty, there is the assumption that the loyalty is both ways, that if you're loyal to American Airlines or uh, Delta, that they're going to be loyal back to you. And that is simply not true. Wow. Well, you bring up some great points. You've got some uh, great work that you're doing out there. And I just want to remind everybody, if you want to track Chris down, give us your website one more time. Sure. It's Elliot.org, E-L-L-I-O-T-T.org. That's perfect. And also be sure to check out the columns in the, the Washington Post, uh, in Money Magazine, uh, and, and many of the other places that you show up. Just Google Chris Elliott. Uh, travel, scams, uh, <laughs> consumer advocate. He's your man. Hey, Chris, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate it. This has been great. Really eye-opening. We're taking it from the other side, and you've done a great job of, of sharing some of your thoughts uh, very well and articulately, I might add. Shep, always a pleasure. All right. Well, thanks. Everybody, this was Amazing Business Radio, another great episode. And people like Chris are the reason we call it amazing. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next time with another great interview. We'll see you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.